You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, we're back on the Oz Network, or I should say I'm back on the Oz Network for another in what seems like it's going to take eternity to get through all these spring movie reviews for our recent movies still in theaters that I'm going through and seeing right now and going through and reviewing. And uh, there's still plenty more to come after this, but I'm trying to pace myself as I'm starting to get exhausted. Uh, today, I'm here to talk about A Quiet Place. And uh, by the way, my name is Colin, and I too understand the fear of monsters uh, terrorizing you if you make one peep, because I have a two-year-old baby. Um, which, believe it or not, actually allowed me to understand this movie a little bit more. Uh, but A Quiet Place, this is, um, uh, I don't know, it's being classified as a horror movie. I guess you could call it that. I consider it more like a sci-fi uh, horror or sci-fi thriller. Uh, but it's the directorial debut of John Krasinski, who's also the star of the movie, uh, who's most well-known from the TV show The Office. Uh, but uh, he stars in this movie here along with uh, his real-life wife, Emily Blunt, who I'm usually not a fan of, but uh, I feel works in these sci-fi movies, uh, particularly like Edge of Tomorrow and also Sicario, which is not a sci-fi movie, but uh, another great action thriller movie. But uh, this movie is huge right now, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, I guess it had come out and was expected that it would you know, go number one, that it would... Uh, um, be able to open number one at the box office, maybe even open well, but I don't think anybody expected, I know nobody expected, because I saw the predictions going into the weekend, that this was going to go on to uh, open with over $50 million just in North America alone. Uh, who knows what it's doing overseas, but $50 million, which currently puts it as the top opening weekend ever for an original horror movie. So for a non-sequel, uh, and I guess non-remake, an original horror movie, biggest opening in history and uh you know i had plans to see this movie uh you know going into the weekend there was another movie that uh came out that unfortunately i had to see first because my wife dragged me to it and um i'm sure we'll be on to discuss that one soon but uh this was the one i wanted to see and i did go see it myself and i honestly would have put it off for you know another day or two uh, if it wasn't for the fact that I saw how big this movie was opening, I'm like, oh, the theater's going to be packed. I might as well get my ticket and just go see it now. Uh, so honestly, all I have to really say is it's it's a fantastic movie. Um, though, I guess, easiest way to describe it is that it's an amazing, uh, I'm not going to call it throwback, but <laughs> it's the best M. Night Shyamalan movie never made by M. Night Shyamalan. That's <laughs> the easiest way I could describe this. I mean, it feels just like, uh, you know, classic M. Night Shyamalan movies like Signs especially, like a lot of similarities to Signs. I mean, if they, there's been talk recently that, you know, this movie, not talk, but I guess confirmation that this script was originally being looked at to potentially be a Cloverfield movie. Like, well, j the same as they did for Ken 10 Cloverfield Lane and... Uh, Cloverfield Paradox or whatever, the, the, these other scripts come in for other sci-fi movies and they say, we could easily rewrite this to make it fit in the Cloverfield uh, anthology of movies. But uh, they talk about how this could have been a Cloverfield movie. I feel like if I'm not Shyamalan had ever wanted to do a sequel to Signs, uh, it would have been very easy to just rewrite a few things here and say this was Signs too, because the, the tone of the movie is exactly the same, the pacing of the movie is exactly the same, the, the type of story they're telling is exactly the same, the way that the climax plays out especially uh, it felt like Signs to me, like I felt like you could have popped the Signs soundtrack the iconic Signs soundtrack into this movie, and it totally would have fit and that's, 
you know, no knock against the movie uh, because it's obviously being praised mostly just for its originality. It is a completely original movie, um, and I just feel like you know it really fits like what what the, the the type of genre that Shyamalan started to create and then struggled with after that with movies like The Happening and uh, uh, Lady in the Water. Although I'm a you know defender of Lady in the Water, but uh, everybody knows like that the whole. M. Night Shyamalan genre, you know, this would have fit right in there with it, although I think it plays it differently. It, it definitely uh, handles the drama where you get slightly better acting performances out of this one, maybe because Shyamalan's not necessarily like an acting director, uh, but Krasinski for, you know, a first-time director, I mean, he did an incredible job with this movie, especially for a movie that, that really is a bit of a gimmick. Uh, and again, that's not to say it in a bad way, but this is a gimmick-type movie. And so much of it relies on just, well, how do they pull off this, uh, this, this concept of a world where none of the characters can talk? And it's funny that, you know, the, he didn't originally come up with this storyline. There, there were two other screenwriters that came up with it. And then Krasinski came on, rewrote the script. And I was reading recently that the original script before Krasinski came on had like only like two or three lines of dialogue for the entire movie. So it was like a completely silent movie. And, uh, you know, he found ways in this movie, like clever ways without giving anything away. He found clever ways to find um, to, to find ways for the characters to talk without actually ruining the movie, <laughs> without ruining the gimmick and the, 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 the twist that this movie had. Uh, and he does it in a clever way where you're starting to spend the whole movie thinking, well, if they have to have a conversation, what do they do? And you're thinking in your head, well, maybe they would do this, and then they end up doing something completely different. You're like, well, I never would have actually thought of that. But that kind of also plays into what works with this movie, just as a survival story. And uh, as soon as it started, I immediately started thinking about I Am Legend, just because we're seeing this family in, you know, a, I don't know if it's a small town or a small city or whatever, we're seeing them surviving on their own, and everybody's been decimated, and it felt like, you know, I Am Legend, like this could have been sort of what I Am Legend could have been without, you know, the the really ridiculous plot twist that came on the end of that, just about a guy surviving on his own, uh, you know, in a world that's basically been taken over. And uh, the opening scene, which probably plays for a good five to ten minutes, perfectly sets up this world where I just went in knowing what everybody else knew, that, oh, there's some type of creatures in this world that will attack you if they're sound. And I didn't know going into the movie, is this something that's some type of future world where this has always existed, but we really do get dropped in, I guess, within the first few months of this happening. And it's so subtle the way that they reveal everything in this movie. Sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. The way it works is that I'm looking around, and of course the first question I have just as uh, somebody watching the movie is, I wonder where this started. And they have the thing on the screen that comes up and saying like 170 whatever days in, uh, and then after that, you have to look pretty closely, but you see like a newspaper flapping in the wind, and it's not flapping so much where it all of a sudden just perfectly stops, and you read the headline. I mean, you have to look for it, and it kind of gives details about, you know, what's going on or, or when the world would have discovered this. And, uh, you know, the movie just progresses, and, and again, not giving away any spoilers, but the opening sequence really sets up so much, and one of the things I won't talk about because there's a huge twist right away that you don't even realize, but you just get that his family has been surviving uh, completely sound free, like with sign language and everything else. And, uh, you know, you have to, um, you have to, I guess, be as careful to not even like snap your fingers, something that small, like these creatures in this world 
can respond to even the slightest sound. And they even establish in the movie at one point, like how many of them exist. And it's really only a handful that are supposed to be out there. And who knows how big this city is, but like they could find you probably from kilometers away. That's kind of the impression you get in here. So the thing that works with this movie is that the, the, the terror aspect comes from the idea that you don't know what's going to happen. And, and Krasinski does not spell everything out uh, as a writer or as a director here. He leaves so much of it unsaid. So you're wondering, well, how do they hear or how far away can they hear from? Or, you know, if we make this noise, uh, is it, are they going to come? Whereas if we make this noise, are they going to come? You know, what if somebody's breathing heavy? And that, that leads to the second part that really is terrifying in this movie. The first part being that we don't know anything about this world or these creatures. And we only sort of find it out similar to signs as the movie progresses. Uh, the second thing that's really terrifying is that y you don't know how this family lives because all I'm thinking the entire time I'm watching this, even as the movie's like half an hour and 45 minutes in and you're really getting what this family's routine is, you know, how do they make dinner? How do they have fun without being able to talk? And that's one of the most stressful things of the movie. There's several times where characters are signing to each other and they're making jokes and they're like, laughing without laughing audibly and i'm just thinking to myself like well what if they one of them just cracked up one of these days uh you know what would happen and you realize well they have some system for that not everything's even explained in this movie about uh the, how they're living and their routine and everything and how they get by but it, it was fascinating to watch a and it was also terrifying to watch because every time they do something you're thinking oh they're probably going to hear them and then you realize well no maybe they they have a way to prevent them from hearing this or uh, it's something that they already know at this point that they won't hear. You know, and then the trailer really shows you everything else. I mean, the, there's a scene where the kids make a noise and you start to hear uh, the, the creatures outside. Uh, and then, of course, the other scene, which I'll talk about in a, a little bit. Um, uh, well, I might as well just say it now. I mean, the, the baby births <laughs> bathtub scene, because if you watch the trailer, you realize that uh, Emily Blunt here is supposed to be pregnant, like very pregnant. And that led to the real terrifying aspect of this movie for me, which I don't know if everybody would understand, uh, which is what happens when the baby comes. And I spent this entire movie just thinking, I mean, is this going to be what happens? Like, are they allowing this baby to be born? And as soon as it happens, the baby's screaming and then they all come and they all die. Like, not that I was expecting that would have necessarily even been the end of the movie as I was watching this. But I mean, I said at the beginning, I have a baby that's less than a month now away from his second birthday and still at the time I'm recording this you know I'm making sure that I'm only making a certain amount of noise and if I were to drop something on the floor I'd probably hear him screaming and waking up uh, sometimes in the middle of the night if he has a bad dream he screams and he wakes up uh, sometimes if you know he has a teething pain he screams and he cries in the middle of the night and sometimes he's half asleep and just uncomfortable and he will scream and he'll cry and he'll roll over and that's it then you know he even if he goes back to sleep well i'm up and i think if i'm up what about these creatures that can hear from kilometers away so it was like literally the most terrifying aspect of this movie for me was what happens when the baby comes what happens when the baby cries and then what if they can find a way to hide this baby in some soundproof room for i don't know two years you're still going to have a very noisy kid. And, and we're at the point where we can communicate some things to Casper. He's, again, almost two. But there's a lot of times where we're trying to tell him something. And I have to remind Jamie, I'm like, he's not going to understand what we're telling him right now. You know, he understands yes, no. He understands don't do that. Hey, do you want to come here? Do you want this? Um, 
you know, do you want to watch Peppa Pig? Do you want some ice cream? Do you want an apple? All these things he understands and he can respond to. But like, how does how do you explain to a kid uh, or even a, a baby or a, a two year old? You know, think about this movie as the sequel. The baby two years later or whatever. How do you explain to that baby? Hey, you can't uh, whisper right now <laughs> because we're all gonna die. So forget about crying. Forget about talking. You can't whisper. We're all gonna die. Uh, you sucking your thumb, we're all going to die, all these things. So th- just for me, that was, you know, stressed me out beyond belief watching this movie. Uh, and I think that's the thing that was surprising with this. The movie goes by very quickly. I mean, it's only 90 minutes, and the 90 minutes goes by super quick uh, because of the pacing of this movie. is that It's almost told, I'm not going to say in real time, but you follow basically a few days maybe with these characters, and then I would say at least half the movie is this climax of, you know, uh, the, the the bathtub scene that we see and the, the, the contractions or whatever uh, going to labor and everything that happens following that. I mean, it's one 45-minute climax in a 90-minute movie. And that helped the movie go by at a quicker pace where I was – usually I'm looking at my watch or whatever thinking, well, how much longer is left in this movie? Not in a bad way, but just curious. How much is there still to come? Uh, you know, how far are we into this? And then also to gauge, is this good for the first 30 minutes of the movie? Is this bad? But I was honestly thinking, I'm like, wow, this movie could have been 15, 20 minutes longer. Although I do think after it finishes, I'm like, perfect length. In a way, it's so refreshing to see a movie that just breezes by as if it's been less than an hour, but it's been 90 minutes. Uh, but it all happens so quickly at the end. I mean, the pace of this movie is fantastic. And you don't really feel like you're missing anything. I mean, if the thing that I appreciated about it where I don't know if there are any complaints out there is that the movie goes by so quickly and it covers so little and is so subtle that you don't know a lot of the little tricks and details of what's going on in this world. And that would definitely be a fascinating movie to watch. But I always like a movie where they leave a lot of things up to the interpretation of uh, the viewer or whatever. So that's something that I actually really liked in the movie was that they didn't spell everything out and that they did allow the movie to just go at this lightning speed uh, where you, you know, you, you were left guessing and, and spent a lot of the movie just thinking what uh, would happen if this happened and maybe it never gets covered in the movie, but you're still wondering about it, uh, which leads to the most annoying thing about this movie, which I came home and told Jamie immediately and I was thinking to myself I'm like yeah I, I wonder if anybody's going to catch this because a lot of times where I have a complaint about a movie or even just the experience of seeing a movie like Black Panther you know uh, I, I met a lot of people who said well I didn't really like it that much I thought it was okay but I had this one complaint which nobody else seemed to really notice but when you bring it up maybe some of them are like yeah which was the fact that the only times we see him in the Black Panther suit it's so dark on screen that you can't really follow what's going on and it's cutting so fast so that the, the Black Panther action didn't work. That's a perfect example of a complaint where I'm like, nobody really got that. And with this one, I was surprised to read a story online today saying the exact same thing that was my opinion. As soon as I was like 10 minutes into this movie, I'm like, this is a problem. And lo and behold, all over the place today, this is a problem for everybody. What I'm talking about specifically is uh, having a completely silent movie and seeing it in a packed theater and you can suddenly hear everything that's going on around you and how that can completely ruin the movie-going experience, at least in a theater. Because this is the one time I think I've ever come home from a movie and said, you know what, great movie, but I really wish I had seen it at home, on my own TV, on the couch, without anything else around. Because 
about 10, 15 minutes in this movie, it gets incredibly distracting. And there were news stories like this all over the place in the last few days. Uh, and when somebody first told me about this, I laughed because I'm like, that's exactly the complaint I had. It's not like I read these stories and said, oh, yeah, yeah, I get that now. I was in the theater and 10 or 15 minutes in, I'm like, is this guy behind me ever going to stop moving in his chair? I'm like, that person six rows back, they keep crumpling their popcorn bag. I'm like, do I need to hear this person chewing? Uh, I can hear the slurping of this person's cup and they're about 50 feet away. You hear everything during this movie because there are long periods where it's completely silent. And it totally works for the movie, but it definitely takes you out of the movie when you're hearing all this noise in a theater. Uh, so that I'm going to completely agree with. And for that reason alone, I mean, as much as I'm going to say I'm going to recommend this movie, uh, if you want to see it in a theater, great. But this is one that it's okay if you want to wait and watch it at home. Uh, seeing it in a theater may be great if you're the only person in the theater, but it will be very distracting otherwise. And it's kind of funny that this is coming up because I remember, you know, a uh, similar thing. Well, we're almost now 20 years. We're 19 years removed from it. But when the Blair Witch Project first came out, and I remember that being the first ever found footage movie that, that got a wide release. And people were getting so sick from the shaky cameras, these handheld cameras, that I remember I saw it like maybe only a second weekend in release and they had to put signs outside the movie theater saying you know if people are prone to motion sickness be warned and they had to start warning people when they bought their tickets okay just so you're aware there's a lot of shaky movement in this people could you know get motion sickness uh and that was what happened with that and i i wouldn't be surprised if <laughs> we had you know some type of warning thing on theaters it's like just just be aware you're going to hear a lot of chewing a lot of moving your seat a lot of sniffling and everything else from the theater. Uh, it's it's almost funny that we're now 20 years later from the Blair Witch Project and has gone from you could get sick from watching this movie to you could get really annoyed at the sound of somebody chewing. But that is a real thing to consider if you are going to see this movie. But putting that aside, uh, the movie itself, as I said, no real complaints about it at all. I mean, the, the story is very basic. You have only a few scenes where characters are talking. Uh, you have a way of really understanding all these characters, uh, really four characters in the movie, but you have a way of understanding all of them just very subtly as it progresses, but you don't get it right away, particularly the relationship with the daughter and the father. Uh, and that's something that I'm not going to say this is a spoiler. I didn't know what going into the movie because I only really saw the trailers, but uh, the actress that plays the daughter is deaf in real life. And in the movie, she's playing a deaf child as well. And I have to be honest, I didn't get that at the beginning of this movie. I didn't get it maybe even necessarily halfway through. There were moments where she had a hearing aid <laughs> and I still didn't get it because there's no point where they can sit down and explain these things to you as an audience. Uh, so you rely on certain things and she's wearing a hearing aid in this. And I just sort of thought, oh, well, maybe they had this for something else. Maybe they wanted to you know, see if they could detect noises sooner or something like that. Uh, make them, I guess, more susceptible to noises around them so that they would ultimately be quieter. I was thinking these things, and it took till very late in the movie to realize that, yeah, this girl's supposed to be deaf too, because the characters are all doing sign language from the beginning of the movie, and you just take for granted they're signing because that's the only way they can communicate. And this hearing aid she has, you know, maybe it is just to hear certain things. But uh, it does add something to the movie, and they, they find these great ways without having dialogue scenes to really establish these relationships. And Areas where some of the members of the family, you know, struggle with each other, uh, but yet they live this completely normal life. And I think that's the thing that I found more fascinating than even the horror aspect of this, of when these creatures come out. It's 
just seeing how they survive. And I mean, as I said many times, I spent a lot of this movie just thinking to myself, you know, what would they do if they snored? You know, how would they prevent themselves from snoring in the middle of the night? And do they have to go and watch? Uh, do, do they have to, uh, I don't know, wrap themselves you know, in s- some type of massive sleeping bag uh, and just poke air holes in it so that they can muffle the sound if they did snore or if they you know, had a bad dream and woke up you know, panting or something like that? Because all those noises uh, do come into play in this movie. But that was really fascinating to watch on its own. Uh, so the movie doesn't need much of a story. It was just that. And that was good enough. Now, the creatures... This goes into the horror aspect of it, and I was talking with Jamie. Jamie didn't see this movie with me, but uh, I was sort of describing to her, you know, I didn't even explain what it was, but I said, do you know what really is starting to work in horror movies that hasn't worked in a long time? And she said, what, that people aren't showing you everything anymore? And she was on the episode where we reviewed It, and I think that's another thing, that we were surprised how little Pennywise is in that movie. And it, people have been saying for more than 20 years, at least from what I can remember, uh, horror movies would only work better if you stop showing so much. And I can remember, you know, the time period of like the late '90s, early 2000s. I mean, even up until a few years ago, where no matter what it was you were watching, they had to show some giant, massive special effect on the end, and it always ruined it for me. And I remember seeing the movie The Haunting for the first time with Liam Neeson in it, and actually really enjoying the movie until it got close to the end when they started using all these special effects and showing you everything which really just lessened the terror aspect. So uh, this isn't something new. I mean, you've heard every movie critic, every audience member, uh, other filmmakers, everybody's been saying for decades now, movies need to stop showing so much uh, because it's scarier when you don't see everything that's going on. And the two classic examples that are always given are Jaws, because you don't really even see the shark until the last act of the movie, and that it was scariest when you didn't see it. And then Alien, because when you see this creature, it's always sort of in the background or it's in shadows and it's blending into the ship. And those two things I can definitely compare this to because the creatures, you don't see much of them. There's maybe only a few big wide shots you're going to see uh, until you're close to the end of the movie. And they do kind of in a way blend in whenever you see them because you know when characters are hiding, they're in the dark. So that works so well for this movie that it's all just about building tension. It's all about... Um, I guess not knowing what it is, which makes it scary because then your imagination takes over. So uh, that I think is one of the things that really works for why this movie is, and I'm not going to say it's a scary movie because the thing is, and I'll go into this in another review I'm going to have shortly um, in a few days, a week, who knows whenever I can get to it. But uh, the, the strangers pray at night uh, that I'm not into horror movies. And the reason is simply because they don't scare me. Uh, I'm I'm just I have this personality where you know I may get a jolt or uh, kind of startled, but then I'm just immediately over it two seconds later. So when the purpose of the movie is to scare you, it's not effective for me. So I like movies like this when I don't have to care about did it scare me, but it had a cool vibe to it. It, it the mood was interesting. The uh, uh, the tone of the movie was kind of eerie, and I can appreciate those things about this and even the strangers. But that's you know for another review. Um, but movies haven't had that long time, and I think partly because of, you know, I guess it started with the Blair Witch Project, but then it's really taken over with these found footage horror movies uh, like Paranormal Activity, and then I guess more recently Insidious and The Conjuring, which are actually two of the horror movies I did see and did enjoy. Uh, it's now back to let's not show you so much, and it's scary without seeing it. Uh, so this perfectly fits into that, but I would classify this more, as I said, all the way in the beginning with like 
I don't know, a sci-fi thriller, uh, supernatural sci-fi thriller, whatever it is. It's, it's closer to an M. Night Shyamalan movie. And it's just weird that this movie's classified as a horror movie, although you never really get that with M. Night Shyamalan movies. I mean, The Sixth Sense. I don't hear a lot of people say it's a horror movie. You know, it's like a supernatural thriller. So I wouldn't call this a horror movie so much. If, for the big horror buffs out there, you'll probably still enjoy it. For people who don't like horror movies, you'll probably enjoy this because it's just an entertaining movie and it's completely original. And that's what I was hearing people saying as I was leaving the theater. I heard multiple people saying like, yeah, that was just, it was something different. I haven't seen it before. And the funny thing is, it's such a basic premise. There is nothing extraordinary about the premise. It's just characters can't speak because there's creatures that if they hear them, they're going to come and they're going to kill them. And the world's kind of been devastated by this. That's all there is to it. But the movie itself is unique because they allow the whole story to progress without having much noise and the music does come in later on you know if people think they're gonna be hearing popcorn as a whole movie no it definitely simmers down about halfway through or so because you do have this really repetitive score but it's almost more like noise like really creepy noise than anything else that that helps the movie too uh and when you do get into it like i said that last 45 minutes it's just all one massive sequence taking place over maybe one day um, it's just an exciting movie, so it doesn't need to be scary. I think the movie works on its own. So official rating here, um, buy it, rent it, bin it. Uh, I've mostly been renting movies this year. Uh, Pacific Rim Uprising was the first one I actually bought, and I know most critics disagreed with that, but I mean, I, I wasn't even crazy enough about Ready Player One to rent that movie or to buy that movie. I still rented that. Uh, but honestly, I'm going to buy this one and it shouldn't be surprised because I think every critic out there love this movie and the audience response has just been incredible and the movie's going to be around forever. Uh, as I said, it's already like the highest opening weekend ever for an original horror movie, if you call it a horror movie, which there again, that doesn't really make sense because as I said, it's no different than something like Signs and Signs open higher than this, but whatever they want to classify it as, it's a huge opening. Uh, for a very small movie, and it goes by at such a quick pace. I mean, it's it's everything I've said. I'll just reiterate: it's original, uh, it's something different, it's effective. Uh, the characters are interesting, the story is interesting. I liked the story, whereas most of the time with horror movies, it's just oh, that's kind of a cool premise, or there's some cool sequences. I mean, I liked this story. It could have not been a thriller and just been a survival story, and I would have liked it. Um, does it need a sequel? I, I don't know. <laughs> They're talking about making a sequel now. I don't know if that would really work. Um, I guess with horror movies, you can really do anything, or supernatural thrillers, you can really do anything. Uh, you don't have to have it have the same, like, well, as I'll talk about with The Strangers Pray at Night, you know, you don't even have to have the same original characters, just similar premise. So there could be a way, who knows? We're following one family in one corner of the world. You could uh, follow the same family at a different time period in the future, in the past. You could follow. Uh, different characters all the way in uh, China or um, Botswana, if you want, uh, Fiji, uh, anywhere, Tunisia. There's, just pick a country in the world, and this is the quiet place of that region. Uh, will it be as effective if they make another one of these movies? I don't know, because it's the originality that kind of goes out the window, which is why movies like Paranormal Activity are like, hey, that's great at the time, and then the more sequels they make, it's just it drags out. But uh uh, I was impressed with the movie, and I think John Krasinski, you know, for, uh, I guess his big, I don't know if he's directed some small things before, TV or whatever, but his big directorial debut, I mean, it's huge, if, if, also just as an actor, I mean, he's not a guy who pops up, I'm, I'm excited to see him in the Jack Ryan TV show that's going to come out, because I'm a huge Jack Ryan fan from the movies, 
But uh, it's not like his, he's a big star. Most of the time, people are like, oh, yeah, it's that guy from The Office. And nobody's really followed him for you know a decade, at least. Uh, but even put aside him as an actor, I mean, as a director, I, I feel like this is maybe the next actor-director that's really going to break out. And the last time I think that I really saw an actor get into directing where immediately their first movie, I'm like, it's not even about whether or not this is the greatest movie in the world, but they really just did something original and... Um, made a movie as a director where you're not thinking to yourself, oh, that's good for a first-time actor. Like, it felt like an experienced director made this movie the same as when Ben Affleck did uh, Gone Baby Gone years ago and then went on to do Argo. So, I mean, John Krasinski, could, who knows, very well could be the next Ben Affleck and win an Oscar years from now. It's not going to win it for this movie because it's, you know, kind of just a, a cheap, low-budget thriller, but uh, I definitely see more promise in him as a director than an actor. So... I'll officially give this a buy it, um, and it's a strong buy it. Uh, not only just because I think it's a better movie to watch if you sit down and watch it at home once you've purchased it, as opposed to going to theater and hearing all the chewing sounds. But if you do go to the theater, I mean, you'll still enjoy it. It's uh, it's cool to see on a big screen, but just beware of the noise level that you're going to hear. Uh, so buy it for Quiet Place, and uh, that's pretty much all I have to say on this one. Any other movie reviews coming out? As, as I said, I've got. Uh, Strangers Pray at Night which I'm going to review I just if we're wondering why we have so many of these coming out I went on a huge rush as I uh, uh, wrapped up my school so I actually had time <laughs> recently and then I was on vacation for a while but it was just staying at home so I had a bunch of bank scene points which for anybody outside of Canada scenes just uh, something where you use Visa in your bank account and you get points to see movies I had a whole bunch of bank scene points so I used them had gift cards, movie theaters, used those, and saw a bunch of movies. So Strangers Pray at Night's going to come, which very few people saw the movie um, for a horror movie. I guess it did okay business, but uh, I'm interested to talk about that one because I wasn't even sure I was going to cover an episode on it, but have certain things I want to talk about that movie with. Uh, and then also, I'll just tease now, I don't know when it's going to come out. It could be two weeks from now, it could be three weeks from now. I'd like to get Jamie on for at least a segment of this. Uh, but we did see the movie Blockers, which is the comedy that came out last week and lost big time to Quiet Place at the box office. But again, I have some strong opinions on that movie, and uh, I'd like to cover that and maybe get Jamie on for a bit because she had different opinions that uh, don't exactly line up with mine. Uh, but for major episodes, uh, it's going to be Avengers Age of Ultron, which uh, should be going out very soon after this episode goes out. Uh, listen to our Avengers 1 episode last week that Jamie and I did because it's the first time Jamie's done a full recap and uh, she's definitely bringing a different perspective than Ben and I would bring. Uh, but Age of Ultron I think is going to be all the more fun because I really dislike Avengers Age of Ultron. I really like the first one, dislike the second. Uh, it's going to be fun to talk about this and also to see what reaction Jamie has to this. Uh, but we're getting really close to Avengers uh, Infinity War so Age of Ultron will be up first. We'll get that and then we'll do our big recap of all the movies but that will be it for this episode i was going to say this week but this episode more movie reviews to come avengers age of ultron still to come and until next time my name is colin and popcorn bag thank you for listening to the oz network don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week for more information hit us up at the oznetwork.net